You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Electrician Live. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode of Electrician Live, we've got a pretty good topic lineup today. We're going to talk three different specific topics and we're going to talk to them in detail. Um, in this episode, the call-in feature has been disabled for a couple reasons, and it will be open in future shows, but in this show it's disabled, one, because we have to make an announcement. When you're calling into the show, you have to make sure that you mute your background. So if you're listening to the podcast, you're going to you, you pause it, because you can always pick up after you get off the air uh, or after you leave the conversation or the call. But you want to be sure to mute it or turn your speakers down. But of course, if you're calling Skype through the speakers, that's not going to work. So it's best to just stop the podcast or stop the video or pause it while you're live on the air because you can obviously hear it because we're having a discussion. And then once it's over and we disconnect, you can start it up again. Uh, that way we don't get feedback. That's the only way that I know to do it. It's kind of like you hear it in broadcast lingo when somebody calls into a radio show and they can hear feedback and again or repetitive repeating. Uh, they're like, hey, you need to turn off your radio or turn it down. Same thing is going to apply here. Now, the nature of a live show like that is that really that's all you're going to get. You're going to get people that call in and they're not going to know to turn off the background. So you got to remember if you're going to call in in the future, just make sure that you uh, stop the podcast in the background if you're listening. Uh, or actually stop the video if we're doing a simulcast video of the show. Um, all of those we tend to do. Um, a couple other things about Electrician Live is we do not archive the video portion. We do the podcast portion. It's a podcast, but the video is just to watch while you're listening to the podcast or as an alternative to the podcast. But we're not keeping the videos. Uh, at least at this point, we're not keeping them. But if people want us to do that, feel free to let us know and we'll, we'll do that. Anyway, today's episode of Electrician Live, we're going to talk three specific topics uh, and uh, kind of get those off our chest. Uh, and uh, again, at the end, we'll wrap up with, uh, with uh, what's coming up in the future uh, and things like that. All right, so today's, today's episode, the first topic that we like to talk about is electricians and politics. Now, we had a great discussion on this last night on the live show, um, but the discussion really was um, when the, the callers called in, they really didn't talk about what the topic was, and that was electricians and politics, like what would happen on a job site. And I did a poor job of directing that, one, because the call-in segment was so new, and I don't know of anybody that does that that way. Everything usually with a podcast is pre-recorded, so they can edit it or control it, or the questions are known ahead of time. So it's kind of just an open forum, and we had a pretty good discussion uh, on that. Um, and that is still available on our podcast. You can go listen to by going to our Spreaker or whatnot or go to our website uh, and you'll see there's a podcast button and you click on it and you can listen to it again. It's three hours, so a little more than you probably want. But the topics we talked about and to kind of summarize was the first one was, you know, electricians and politics. Should you talk politics on a job site? Um, and is it going to be detrimental to the pr productivity of the job site? Um for example, you know, if I've got a job site with a lot of electricians, say a commercial job site where maybe it's union, non-union, doesn't matter. We have a bunch of masters, a bunch of journeymen, a bunch of helpers or apprentices. And we have a discussion about politics, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, 
Uh, for some reason, we can all get along, but then when it comes to politics, people tend to disagree and they take it personally, and that can be a problem, especially on the productivity of the job site. As far as a job foreman or an owner looks at it and goes, you know what? It's, it's almost kind of like a Masonic Lodge. You, you don't talk religion and you don't talk politics. Why? Because even friends can get a bad taste in their mouth for each other um, in, in a short period of time when it comes to politics. Everybody has a different belief and everybody's entitled to that. But again, is that the right place on the job site? Probably not the right place on a job site. So the consensus was it's probably not. Now, does that mean it's inevitable? The conversations are going to come up? Absolutely, they're going to come up. And people are going to talk about it on the job site and all those type of things. So, yes, it's it's inev- inevitable to come up. Uh, but the, at the end of the day, uh, it can't be very productive on a job site. Um, again, one of the things that always perplexed me about politics with even electricians, but really any trade or any, any genre of life, um, is that uh, probably a poor choice of words there, but... Um, what really intrigues me, I guess I should say, is that you can be friends with people, get along with people, have great relationships with people. Then all of a sudden the, the topic of politics comes up and now for some reason you form a different opinion. This is the person that you loved or cared about or respected forever. And then it's almost like immediately you find out what, what political uh, they align with, whether it's a Republican or Democrat or independent or whatever. Uh, and you form an instantly a, a different opinion of them. It's kind of crazy because you've known these people your entire life uh, or entire professional life. And all of a sudden, just because they find out what affiliation you are with politics, they all of a sudden in. Uh, sorry, I got a little dog in the background. I apologize. Um, uh, I designate the studio on Saturdays as a noise free zone. But the deal is any other day that I record I can't control the background. That's the deal I had to make with the wife. So my studio is soundproof except for the gap doors, and that's where this comes in. So apologize for that. Anyway, so politics, probably best to stay off the job site, I think. Um, Again, you can't stop it except for if you're the foreman and it's your job and you're running the job. It might be something that you have in your morning meeting, which hopefully you have morning safety meetings. Uh, discuss safety on the project, uh, or maybe have a morning code session, talk about one or two code items that teaches all your people on site. I'm a big believer of that. Um, you know, one code fact or two code facts, something to educate your, your group. Um, but it's probably a good time for you to make an announcement and say, okay, look, we're not going to talk politics. Are you here to work? And again, you can't stop what people do for the most part. Unless it becomes an argument, and then the argument has to escalate to a point where the foreman or somebody has to get involved. And then that's when you look at them and say, guys, what did I say at the meeting? I said, no politics. Okay, We're not going to get into politics here. And you give warnings, and if they don't, it starts up again. But the downside is that people seem to have a, they don't have a long-term memory. They have a short-term memory. So it doesn't matter how well you got along, how great of friends you were, how much you cared for each other. They find out that you're not the same political affiliation as them, and then all of a sudden they judge you differently. Now, if you say that never happens, you're crazy because I see it all the time. I've experienced it. People know my political affiliation. They know what I align with. Um, but people will, will get along with you forever. Uh, and I find it mainly for you know even in education. Um, I can teach anybody electrical codes, Okay. Anybody, I can teach anybody troubleshooting, how to troubleshoot circuits, how to do different things. 
the moment they find out that you that you might have a political belief that's different than theirs, they freak out. I mean, I mean literally, freak out. And they might not agree with you, but then they're vocal and they don't remember that you have an opinion, they have an opinion, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Let's keep the opinions where they are and let's remember why we're here. We're friends and we've always been friends. And so um, just just because we disagree, friends don't have to have all the same ideologies or same beliefs or same, you know, and, and I think that's a problem with it. That also goes, the topic in the, in the live show went to the fact of political correctness, which is a different type of political. It wasn't really what we were talking about in the show. But I think it's interesting, that, true, that it almost today when it comes to, and I'm shifting gears, to political correctness, is, is that no matter what you say can be taken offensive by somebody. Somebody can be offended by it. And that's kind of sad that we've gotten to that point. Uh, and I gave an example in the live show of a uh, an offense issue where some young ladies were offended that I called her hun when I opened the door for her. Uh, it's just a generation I come from. It didn't mean anything but a term of endearment, but people freak out and took it the wrong way. And I, you know, that's... Uh, incredibly sad that we've gotten to that point that no matter what you say, but we're there, we're not going back, and you're on a job site, and you're a master electrician, you're a journeyman, you've got apprentices coming up, uh, you've got to be extremely sensitive to the fact that they could, you could say something that offends them, and depending on your company structure, they might have an HR or some kind of diversity group or, or what it is that somebody brings a complaint, and it causes you a world of heartache, all because you made something you thought was a just a, a comment that somebody else got offended by. So sadly, uh, and it is sad that we literally take everything and we're offended by it. But uh, that's where we are today. People get their butt hurt over almost anything. Uh, I think I posted a graphic, one of my graphics that we use on the t-shirts. By the way, if you want t-shirts... Uh, or coffee mugs or whatever with the uh, master electrician on it or electrician on it or some of our logos with Code Mafia Skull or the uh, the um, electrical wizardry, all that kind of stuff, go to our website that's for that. That's electricianpride.com. Uh, of course, you can get there through uh, both the electricianlive.com as well as mastertheNEC.com as you, if you want as well. Not a problem to get there. Um, but I did a, I did a graphic for, I guess, the Christians out there, and it was God, family, and code, or God, family, code, and somebody got offended by that. In fact, so offended that they filed a complaint to, to, to Facebook. Now, luckily, Facebook uh, didn't take it serious. They did for a day until I complained back, and then they removed it, uh, the, uh, the uh, block, you know, but just a matter that somebody could get their butt hurt, and they were in their response to me, and they went to Messenger to blast me anyway, the individual, and said, you know, just because I differ from your belief don't mean you block me. Look, the reason you got blocked is because of your actions on the board, how you kept taking it. That's why you got blocked on my board. The reality is I just created a graphic. If you're a Christian and you want that graphic on a t-shirt, you can buy it. Are you saying that I should create a graphic that, that depicts Satan because you need it to be fair? That's my that's my point is the butt hurt just because we created a graphic that was for those that are Christians or believe in God or whatnot. But because I posted that, you got offended. First of all, I tell everybody in my forum, my Facebook forums, the first thing that you have to answer to join that forum is, do you agree to these terms? 
And one of the terms is this is not a democracy. Okay, When it comes to my Facebook forums, whether you like it or not, it's a monarchy. I control it 100%. If you don't like it, don't go to the forum. There's plenty of other ones that you can go to and suck up. Not on mine. Um, and if I see something on there that's not basically code or meets code or does something, then I'll be honest with you, I'm going to remove it or I'm going to, to block you or I'm going to put you in a, a what we call timeout because I'm just not going to let it be on my form. Again, if you don't like it or you don't want to learn from me because of that, go somewhere else. I don't really care. You think it bothers me. It does not bother me. Um, anyway, I do not make my living from 100% from a... Uh, uh, from Electrical Code Academy Incorporated, okay? I do not. So it is what it is. Um, so anyway, um, that's that. So political correctness on a job site can be a touchy subject. You have to watch what you say, uh, obviously, if you're trying to move up in a, in a job. Uh, as far as apprentices and helpers, you know, I really would watch what you say. Keep your mouth shut. Go do your job. Yes, sir. No, sir. Learn from the person above you. Learn what not to do sometimes from the person above you. Uh, because you learn, because you know better, you care, um, and so you're learning. If, if you see something that's wrong, don't be afraid to to identify the fact that it's wrong. Uh, all those type of things, but again, from the low level, apprentice, helper type of thing, or even journeyman, be careful what you say. And again, from the master levels, be careful what you say, or, sh- or foreman's, because some people's butts can get hurt, and that's a sad thing, right? All right, so that was that topic. Um, on that, that we talked about pretty much on the live show, but I want to kind of do a recap here uh, of episode one and kind of give you what we kind of talked about. Uh, I did say, again, that there was some bugs in the live call-in that it, the call-in worked great. The The problem was that we didn't announce that you need to turn off your video or turn off the podcast playing in the background because obviously you're talking on the mic it's picking up what I say, delayed, and picking up what's coming back on the mic, and that becomes a problem. So just like any radio show, you got to turn off the podcast, or you got to you know pause it or whatever if you're going to call in. Okay, so future when we have those call-in shows, that's what we're going to do. Make sure that you turn it off. Otherwise, I'll say that when you immediately come on, and then hopefully we get it set. It is a call-in show, and I'm not screening callers prior. If we had done that, then that wouldn't be the problem, and that's how most of those call-in shows work. There's somebody screening it. I don't like to do that. It's a spontaneous show. I want you to be able to call in. Uh, and we had two great call-ins last night. Great guys. Ed and um, Alex, great call-in. Appreciate them calling in. All right, so the next topic we talked about or kind of got into was trusted brands. What is your trusted brand? Some people swear by Milwaukee. Some people swear by Ryobi, Rigid, um, Makita, all these type of brands. And, of course, if you go on Instagram... You'll see that people post pictures of their tools like crazy, like it's a a cult following. And of course, this is all great for the manufacturers, right? Awesome for the manufacturers because, again, they don't have to market to advertise it. They're getting it free. So, again, if you've got quite a big following and you're marketing somebody, then, uh, you know, there's no need for them to have a huge um, advertising budget. You're doing it for them. And if the more people they get to do that, just think of the exposure they get. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm thinking it's genius from the manufacturers to give away free product to people that will promote it. Um, that's, that is great. I don't do that. One, because if I get a product, I have to test it. And I'm going to be honest about my review of a product. And you might like it. You might not. Your butt might get hurt. Um, but I'm going to do it and, and tell you what it is. So that's why you, you really don't see too much of that. 
uh, that I do that. And if I post something about a tool or something, it is probably because I've purchased it myself and I've used it or I like it and I'm letting other people know about it. So uh, that's probably where you'd see me do something like that. But other than that, I'm not a shill where you can just send me a tool and then I'll do a review and give you kudos about the product. Not going to do that. Um, now, if you have a product, let me give you an example. Uh, next week, we have a show uh, that is uh, going to be solid ground cords. Uh, and these cords are very much a proven product when it comes to reducing the, the ground pin breaking off or the disconnect from the attachment plug into the cord pulling out. We call it pullouts, uh, which are highly problematic things in the extension cord industry. Now, they don't just make extension cords. They obviously make cords that go on other appliances as well. But the big issue is around the country, and you've seen it, you go to a job site and you look at the extension cords and they're beat to crap. I mean, literally beat to crap. Um, these cords are made pretty much like tray cable. It's a, it's a pure extrusion. The only difference is, if you think of it, it's more like a UF cable, whereas that you have the cable interconductors and it's extruded over it. And it really makes for a solid product. And so you don't have just an outer outer jacket that rips and it exposes the interconductors. It's it's pretty robust. And they do that. It's available in many colors. colors. And, and they're going to be on the show next week. So we'll have all kinds of things to talk about for them uh, as well when they come on next week. That's the January 11th show. Um, and we're still looking for other people that would like to be on the show in the future. If you've got a company we're looking for, here's a couple of things we're looking for. We're looking for minority electrical contractors. We're looking for uh, women electrical contractors who'd like to chime in on their experience. We're looking for guys that are union, that left the union. We're looking at guys that were non-union, that went to the union, that want to talk about their experience, uh, things like that. Uh, we want to have individuals who are, who are starting up uh, in the business that just started as an electrical contractor and they want to call in and, and talk about their experiences and I can give them some tips and things like that. We want to have those kind of shows. So if you're interested in being a guest on our show, um, please feel free to reach out to us. It's good exposure for your show. You, we'll send you a copy of the podcast so that you can share it on your website or, or whatnot. Uh, and the call-in shows are a little different than the ones where you have the special guest. Those are that we're used to. So those are going to be more formal and, and and be right on time target. So it's easier for you to share that podcast. Whereas the call-in shows are just random. So in the future, I think our call-in shows are literally going to be call-in shows. Uh, and you can call in about the three topics that we're talking about. Or you can talk about whatever you want when you call in on those type of podcast shows. But then we have our shows that are going to be very much structured to a special guest. And if you'd like to be a special guest in future shows please send us a link and, and, and let us know. Contact us. Go to our website, electricianlive.com, and you'll see a Contact Us button. Send us uh, your information, and we'll reach out to you, and we'll see if we can set something up. It's pretty easy. All you got to do is Skype in, and uh, we'll take care of the rest. All right. Uh, as far as the, the second topic, trusted brands. Now, again, um, I mentioned on the show uh, that um, about a year ago, I got involved with... Uh, Harbor Freight and, and, and went out and got some of their Doyle, I love saying that, Doyle, loves their tools um, and they have a lifetime warranty. And I've had a chance to mess with them. A lot of people say, well, do they last? Well, here's the thing. They have a lifetime warranty. You simply take them back to the store. But other than that, um, I've done a significant amount of work over the year that I've had them. 
Uh, again, most people know I own electrical contracting business. I work full time, obviously, at Encore Wire. And then, of course, I run Electrical Code Academy with the people here, Darlene, uh, Brittany, Zach, Jeff. All of them help run this part of it while I'm doing that. Um, and and to keep everything in the background going, like when you order something, they'll send you the information, and your links, and all this kind of stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I was able to, to, I still have an electrical contracting business. I still get out and do some work. I did some yesterday morning. I went out and did a work, and I talk about that on the, on the live show last night. Um, and the tools never let me down. And they, they I, I, you know, through the years, I've worked with major brands, major brands. And uh, be honest with you. I do not see any difference. In fact, they're they're smooth. They cut well. They hold an edge good. They they don't bind up. They, uh, you know, they they don't. They're not stiff. They, you know, it, I don't know. I'm extremely pleased with them, uh, and I think you will too. So I'm not stumping. I'm not being paid to endorse anything for Harbor Freight. Most certainly not. Um, but I'm a big believer in Harbor Freight for certain things. And I think when it comes to these hand tools, everybody has their loyalty to different brands, but I encourage you to go give them a try. Pick up one Klein. It's about the, I I said that again, see? I apologize, Klein. Lineman pliers. Pick up one set of the lineman pliers, the eight inch, I believe, and give it a try. And I think you're gonna be surprised how well it is, how well they're they're made and put together. Um, you'd be very surprised. And again, it's only like 12, 13, 14 bucks compared to 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks for a set. So anyway, they've got the wrenches, needle nose in two different sizes. They got crimpers. Uh, they got um, side, side cutters, obviously. They've got diagonal cutters. And I've got all of these. And I still got my, my I've always been a Klein guy and I still got those. Um, but I, I wanted to put these to the test and I'm, I'm very impressed with them. So the other thing that we wanted to do was to be able to promote this as a set and once a year give away a set of tools to an uh, uh, apprentice and, and they're going to be the Doyle tools. So we're going to try to put that together. Um, it would be awesome if we could get sponsorship from Harbor Freight to do that, but I doubt it. So um, we still have to send a letter to them. Uh, just enough to get one set of tools. It's not much to give away, but... We'd like to do that to an apprentice. Um, uh, just full set of what we think you need for your uh, to start in the electrical industry. Um, so we're working on that. That's not a definite thing right now, but something we want to do. Anyway, other trusted brands. Um, Milwaukee. I love my Milwaukee right uh, Sawzall, although recently I've told people that I purchased the Ryobis. Now, it's the 18 plus, I guess what it is. And I got the circular saw, the... the, the uh, uh, spiral cut saw. Uh, I used to have a roto zip. I got rid of it for this. Their spiral cut. Um, I got obviously. I've got the impact drill. I've got the regular drill. Uh, I've got the 30 minute charger. That thing works great. Um, I've got the saws all from them. Uh, I've got all the accessories, and I have used them from home projects to commercial projects. Uh, Drop the drill a couple times. It, it just works flawlessly. Um, so again. Depending on what you use, there's some people that say, nope, that's just a consumer grade and it's not worthy of working. Well, we can agree to disagree. My brother has been using Ryobi for years and he has literally used every brand. And he's very much an active electrician every day. And he swears by them. So you call prosumer. All Here's the thing. When somebody says consumer, prosumer, whatever it is, pro, 
does it turn the screw? Does it run the drill? Does it? And you know what? He's drilled entire houses. Now, I've never done this. I've always used a, a right angle Milwaukee with an extension on it. But my brother has actually wired houses using nothing but Ryobi cordless drill with an extension uh, on it and, and actually uh, drilled the holes with an auger and done it that way. And he's done a whole house with it and not having to drag the cords, he says. And he always has a battery on charge, multiple batteries sitting there ready to go. So it's just a quick change out, change out. And while he's using one, he's charging the other. He doesn't have a problem with it. He just doesn't have to drag the cords around and all this kind of stuff. Um, so... Everybody has their own flavor, uh, but I would say trusted brands. Milwaukee's trusted. Uh, I would say Ryobi at this point is considered a trusted brand. When it comes to devices, I'm big on Leviton, uh, although there's tons of other Pass and Seymours and all this, but I'm a big Leviton guy. I'm, I'm okay on it. When it comes to panel boards, for example, um, I'm a big Cutler Hammer guy, uh, Eaton. But, you know, I've used Square D and QOs and BRs in the past, and they work fine, um, those type of things. So I think a trusted brand is something that you feel comfortable with, that you're trusted in, uh, that has, a one, a good return policy. Uh, and uh, Milwaukee supposedly has a really good return policy. I've never had to send anything into them. But, we'll, you know, there are people that have, and they say they're pretty reliable. Um the interesting thing is a lot of these big companies that make the tools actually make two different lines, you know, like they'll make a Milwaukee and then they'll make another like rigid or, or so they make multiple lines. So they have what they have is their pro line and then they have what there's prosumer line, uh, and, you know, or consumer grade uh, or DIY grade and, and things like that. And so uh, to be honest with you, um, we put the Ryobis through the test. So I'm very much a Ryobi guy. It'll get the job done. Uh, when it comes to corded products that have cords, I, I've just always been in Milwaukee when it comes to the corded stuff. Um, it's just preference, right? What's your preference? What you have experience with? Surge protected devices, for example. Cutler Hammer makes a great Surge Pro device, and they make three different styles of that, and, and, they, and they do well. Um, but I find that, the, for me, the best surge protected devices out there are the ones that are by Siemens. And they're a little more expensive. They are. Uh, but it's a really reliable surge-protected device. Of course, as you probably are aware, that when the 2020 code gets adopted in your area, that you're going to be required to have surge-protected devices on all one- and two-family dwellings. Okay, And if you do a service change in the future uh, and you're under the 2020 code, it is going to be retroactive. It means if you change the service, uh, upgrade it, or anything like that, you're going to now have to put surge-protected device on it. So... Um, it was optional in the past for one and two family dwellings. And we obviously as electricians installed a lot of those. And the region for surge protective devices, I get asked by people um, and why we're pushing, why those are being pushed, as some people say, pushed down our throat. Um, one, it's great for the manufacturers, obviously. But the reality is there's so many devices now that are in our house that surges can damage or cause problems to. So if we can stop them uh, from getting into the structure, then that's the best best course of action to do that. Um, so the surge protected devices that are going to be required by the National Electrical Code for one and two family uh, is going to be either type one or type two. So type one is literally going to be installed at a point on the line side of the main service disconnection means, anywhere on the line side up to the point of attachment. And then 
on the load side is the type two, which is going to be in the on the load side of the main breaker. So it could be the breaker style that goes in the panel or the one that installs on the panel uh, or in some cases even in the panel, which is immediately adjacent to the overcurrent device that's supplying it, um, which is just the breaker or whatever in the panel. Um, those are called type two. And there's an exception that says that you can do it downstream at a remote distribution panel uh, as well. So there is some leeway in there. We have a podcast on that. Go listen to our podcast uh, where we talk about the uh, top changes to 2020 NEC for residential. Uh, and I'll explain those kind of things there. Um, so that's coming in the 2020. So get ahead of the curve. But again, Siemens makes an amazing surge protective device. Of course, they all probably work fine and they all come with varying warranties and things like that and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but for the most part, um, I like I happen to like Siemens brand for that. Thing. But that's just me. That's my most trusted brand. Whatever your trusted brand is, is your trusted brand. Okay, Whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, so uh, kind of thinking about that when you're dealing with the tool. Now, some people have such a passion for their tools that they're like, it's, it's like the Ford or Chevy debate. Once they're locked in on something they like, they are just locked in on it. And that's fine. That is your trusted brand. Go for it. I'm kind of odd. I don't have that same kind of loyalty. Um, I try a bunch of different brands and look for what I like or what to get the job done and whether I whether reliability is uh, there for the product. And like I said, I, I didn't really want to speak too much about the Doyle line at Harbor Freight until I actually put it through some paces. And uh, put it through some paces, uh, dropped it quite a few times, um, and it just it held up and it's still holding up and it's still cut wonderfully. So um, I encourage you to check them out. So I consider them a trusted brand, most definitely. All right, so that's our topic for our trusted brands. We kind of elaborated on it last night and had a conversation on those trusted brands. Again, your trusted brand is what you like to use. Now, the third topic we talked about on the, in the live show was electricians versus inspectors. Now, the problem we have with that is that sometimes you have inspectors who might come to a job site who... who have a God complex. And I did a podcast on the God complex concept. That's where an inspector wants you to do something, not because it's in the, not in the, it's not in the code, but they want you to do it because they just believe this is how they did it in the past. And this is what they want. And this is the right thing. And this is what they expect. Um, it's two things that could be considered a God complex, or that could be just ignorance. The problem with it is the electric electrician has is really focused on, look, I got a job to do. I need to get this done so I can get paid so I can go on to the next job. So that's why it's so important for me to tell people about learning code is you only get paid to do it right one time, not two times. So understanding the code is extremely important, not to take away from the hands-on and the experience that you're going to learn as you learn, but you're still going to have to understand code. You can't hide from code. Um, and then there's a lot of times I've heard on other shows and podcasts where people go, um, they go, look, I, I don't need to know the code. I can go to the book. Well, that is true. But if you don't understand where to find it or how to interpret it, and if you're in a situation where time is of the essence, um, you're going to make mistakes. Um, also, if you don't understand how to look for something in the code or find something, then you run into this issue where if an inspector says something, you don't have the ability to have an intelligent conversation about it in order to voice your opposition to their position, uh, which they might be totally wrong. Um, now, in all fairness to the inspectors, um, you have the same situation with electricians. 
electrician might be so headstrong. He's been doing it this way for 30 years. He might've been doing it wrong for 30 years, but this is their position. I'll give you a great example. So I saw a picture today posted on Instagram and the person was very proud of their work and that's great. I love the pride in the work, but he bought all of his non-metallic sheet cables through the back of a panel uh, cabinet and it all came through one, two or two and a half trade size opening. And I see that all the time where all the NMBs are just caked together and bought through one opening. That is not permitted by 312.155C. Um, each cable has to be connected to the enclosure. Uh, and so without some exceptions to this rule, um, there is an allowance for doing this if you're going to have a surface mount and you're coming in overhead and you're not more, not less than 18 inches and not more than 10 feet, you have some allowances uh, of how you can do this, but not typically just going through all of them, bringing them through the back of a single panel. Yet the, yet they posted it, and I'm sure that the inspectors passed it. So while that is a violation of 312.5C in its purest nature, although there is an exception to that rule, pureness, that's a violation of that rule in a cabinet, the question is, obviously the local jurisdiction permitted it. Otherwise, this person wouldn't do it because once you get slapped on the wrist, you're probably not going to do it again. But if you're doing it, then you probably have been permitted to do that. Now, that's against the National Electrical Code. But again, the National Electrical Code, it's still 90.4, means the interpretation of the inspector and what they're willing to allow. But that's where we get into the problem is, the electrician has to do the work. The inspector has to inspect the work. If the inspector disagrees with something the electrician did, you as electrician have to be able to articulate why this is allowed or why it's not allowed to present your argument. Now, some people don't want to argue with inspectors because they think they're like wrestling with a pig in mud. After a while, you realize they enjoy it. And that's a problem because I don't like inspectors that have that kind of God complex. I was never that way as an inspector. If I left your job site as whether I was a supervisor or an inspector, and I failed you, it was my responsibility to explain why I failed you, give you the code references, and explain it, and educate you if necessary. If you had a good argument against me, and you could convince me, and we could look at it, and we're looking at the intent of the code, okay? Purely the intent of the code, then you might have a chance. But a closed mind is uh, an ignorant mind. You have to be open to things and look at person for you. Now, at the end of the day, say, the inspector does have to make a, a decision as the AHJ's deputy, which is the authority having jurisdiction, being the building official. So they have to make a decision. But remember, you can appeal that decision as an electrician if it's going to cost you quite a bit. If you're not, if it's not going to cost you anything to do it, and you're just like, oh, he wants me to do this, and it's just pretty simple, then just do it if that's going to get you past the job. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to gauge whether something's worth fighting or not fighting. And that was the concept of the of that topic of dealing with that. Um, so there's many cases. I've told the stories where, you know, the electricians are one way and inspectors another way and they meet in the middle uh, and that type of thing. But uh, if you've ever had a, a situation, remember that a lot of times being an electrical inspector does not necessarily mean you have to have an electrical background. I know that's another misconception people have, but they could be simply passed a test 
and past local jurisdictions and they take like an ICC test or a promissor test or whatever and then they get license uh, they get their certification through their state body like in Virginia it's the um, you get your master's license through the uh, uh, DPOR but you get your inspector license through the DHCD I think it's DHCD can't remember anyway that is a inspector driven that's very much different than electrician license and so they will have courses you have to take and then you have to take a, a exam by proctored like ICC or again promissor and once you get that certificate then you show it to them and then they'll issue the license to you provided you meet their initial course training that you have to go to again which is just kind of an overview of electrical inspections type of stuff so that is totally, you know, kind of different than licensing when it comes to being a master or journeyman, that type of thing. So inspectors could actually come from, from you know, just an example, from the plumbing background, go to work for a municipality, and a lot of times they're, they're combination inspectors. So all they've done really is, is pass the test and they get their license and they can do inspections on electric. It doesn't mean they're knowledgeable. And you might, as an electrician, be extremely more knowledgeable than they are. But, you know, you have to be able to walk that line because they are the authority to pass or fail your job. Um, but sometimes that can be a conflict and that as cooler heads will prevail. Although I have seen some inspectors that are just so close-minded to something that they do, they do not see the forest for the trees. And, and I've also seen it with the electricians. So it's how you get along on a job site uh, when you're going to have those difficulties. And again, I, I usually tell people, uh, be very open to the other person's opinion, whether you agree or disagree, be very open to it and listen to them. Be willing to listen uh, and then be able to articulate your agreeance or disagreeance with their position. And ultimately, with most situations, you can go over their head to a supervisor. Now, the other thing that I get from people is people will say, well, if I go over their head, then they're going to be vindictive. And so my next job is going to be difficult. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, some might be that way. But again, I'll just complain again to their supervisor. So if they want this to go on and on and become an ongoing thing. And the other thing about it is most jurisdictions, you can complain straight to the mayor. And trust me, it creates a ripple effect down. And you don't want to be labeled as that electrician. But I'll be honest with you, you're not there to make friends you're there to get your job done, and if you're in the right and somebody's in the wrong and you know you're right and you articulate it well and you can back it up and you know what the code says, and of course you got to be aware of local changes to the code that might be adopted that might be different than what's in the National Electrical Code, uh, at, at that point you can fight your fight, and I have no problem with that at all. I fight that fight all the way up to the top if I know that I'm right. Um, and no hard feelings at all to the inspector. It just is what it is. And I would expect that when I was an inspector or supervisor uh, or manager as well. Uh, you could come to me and I would listen to it. And I didn't judge my inspector any differently. Uh, you know, we used to have weekly training, so I expected all my inspectors to be on the same page uh, in how we interpret things uh, and be open-minded and all that kind of stuff. But again, everybody's different. That's my view of that. So that was kind of a conversation that we had last night. So enough of the three topics that we talked about last night. Now, 
uh, let's just kind of get to what's going on in the future. Again, also we have stickers and t-shirts and mugs and cell phone cases and all that stuff available. If you want to support the show uh, on electricianlive.com, you'll see the button to go to the store. Uh, or you can go right to Electrician Pride, that's P-R-I-D-E.com, and you can go there and order if you want. Stickers are awesome. Um, the Wizard is a, is a really neat shirt with the electrical wizardry. Uh, that's a pretty neat shirt. Um, and some people just want shirts that say they're a master electrician or a journeyman electrician or just electrician, so they show that pride. And those shirts are available there as well. So um, another thing we talked about last night, I just kind of go into, um, was the pride that electrician takes. Remember, um, I don't think everybody agrees. I'm sure that a doctor would not agree when I say that I like electricians to be treated like doctors. I'm sure that they wouldn't agree uh, with that. But a profession is a profession. So carry yourself professional. Wear the uniforms. Uh, wear the name badge or get monogrammed or get some, you know, get some uh, embroidery. Whatever that has your company name on it. Be clean. Get a set of coveralls that fit you right and have your name put on those. And, and don't be afraid to put those on. Uh, I've seen some really neat coveralls with the zip-up legs on the sides so that you can put them on and leave your boots on. And then zip it down, and it's just to keep your regular clothes clean. Um, it sends a professional message to the customer. Now, you might be saying, look, it's a simple simple 30-minute service call or something like that, and that's fine. You won't need the coverall, uh, but you still need to look the part. You need, If you expect to get a good rate or good living wage from being an electrician, then you need to act professional. We have our share of people that are going to go out there in the ripped off jeans, ripped up shirt, dirty shirts, whatever. But if I'm the owner of a company, I'm going to make sure all of my staff look sharp. I don't care. It's not it's not open for debate. Um, anywhere I've ever worked, we've had shirts at least. If you want to wear blue jeans, that's fine. A nice set of blue jeans, no holes in it, no ripped up, uh, all those type of things, um, fine. Um, but a nice shirt... Uh, that type of thing with the with the company on the back or whatever is to me a bare minimum today for anybody that's doing work. Shirts are cheap today. All right, uh, all supervisors I always would have required them to have the polos and and all the the actual electricians and masters and journeymen's could have the t-shirts uh, with the name on the front and their in the company logo on the back. That type of thing um, because you can get them in bulk. And they're they're just low cost, and they're anytime one of them gets really really messy, you can give another one to to your uh, uh, employee. The other thing is, I used to have they would have to have multiple shirts, so they'd at least have one shirt for every day of the week, so everybody would have five shirts. Uh, they're working Monday through Friday, uh, and then they could wash them and rotate, and they'd be fine. Uh, and every year they would get new shirts. So I mean, it seems costly, but the image is what matters. Okay, image. In fact, I recently saw a sale for T-shirts online for three dollars and ninety-nine cent for a black T-shirt with the logo, white logo on it. Okay, you might want your colors or whatnot, but the worst case scenario is you can get a T-shirt that still looks professional for a very good cost price point, and that would be something that you make sure that your your staff always has. Okay, the bigger companies, come on, it's a write-off anyway. So look. You get a certain amount of extra large, you know, a certain amount of double X's, and most people can wear XLs and double and double X. Okay, keep some larges available for the smaller guys and whatnot like that. But I mean, look, it's not overly expensive. Screen printing, once you get them a certain amount, 
is is not expensive and it really looks professional. That type of thing. Keep your trucks neat. Keep them clean. Make sure your name is always on a truck. I had somebody, I, I listened to a show which somebody said, I don't think I get any business from the lettering and stuff on the side of the truck. I disagree. First of all, you might not know if you get a return on investment from that, but if you're riding around the community, you're always marketing it. And when somebody has a significant issue in their house uh, or, or their business, they might remember your name first when they go looking it up or go searching for it. They might remember you on the tip of their tongue. And that's all you're trying to go for. If I get one significant call because of somebody seeing something on the side of my vehicle, then it paid for itself. It's worth it. So to discount it, okay. Now, some of the people that say, nah, I'm not going to do that because I get those nickel and dime calls. Um, first of all, somebody's got to do it. Secondly, if you're not charging adequately for those nickel and dime calls, then what the hell's your problem? Okay. Uh, let me give you an example. Yesterday, I was out for two hours and uh, I was troubleshooting low voltage uh, in this uh, center island for landscape lighting that was kind of some pretty shoddy work that was done. So it took a while to look for it all. Um, and I charged my normal hourly rate. And, you know, for two hours, yes, I was involved in it for two hours. But, you know, I got paid, you know, handsomely, 85 an hour. It's what my, my rate happens to be. You know, yours may be higher. I don't have the same burden as you do. So that's why my rate can be what I, mine is. Um, if I had a lot of high employee costs and insurance and matching 401s and all that, then that burden might change my hourly rate in order to make a profit. I don't need to do that. So I, everybody needs to develop their own rate based on their own needs. So I went out there and I was out there for two hours and I got two hours worth of pay to, to, to troubleshoot the product. It was worth it for me to go out for two hours. If it's not worth you going out and making 180 bucks or whatever it is, you know, 175 bucks, um, if it's not worth you to do it, then you need to think about it a little bit. Uh, why are you even doing it? Really? I mean, that's that's the concept. Why are you even involved in it? Um, so, and you could have somebody in your company that you could send on those tasks that you feel are beneath you. If that's the way I kind of got the impression from one of the shows I listened to about it, it was kind of beneath them at this point. Um, yes, we'd all like the big, big, big jobs. But you have to have somebody that can run the service. And that's the one that rides around in the truck. That's the one that does the service calls. That's the one that has the lettering on the truck. That's a constant billboard for your work. Um, you know, there's a reason Mr. Electric does all of their vans in bright yellow and Mr. Electric on it. Because you see it, you remember it. And when it goes to call somebody, you know, you know, I'm, you know I am today, after 30 plus years, if somebody called me to install a couple ceiling fans, um, why would I not do it? And if it's beneath me, why would I not have somebody that works for me do it? Um, you know, it's it's still hours, it's still labor, and there's a reason why you have an hourly rate, right? So anyway, I'm, I'm tired of talking about that. So I don't, I don't, you know, I think that advertising is always key. Business cards are free to give out all the time. Um, interesting enough, um, I did this back when I was in Virginia. Uh, you could find this kind of funny. On the side of my window of my truck, my work truck, when I was in somewhere, Lowe's, Home Depot, anywhere, uh, I used to have one of those little plastic um, holders that hold your business cards, right? And one of those type of things. Um, and I actually had it where I had one of them 
that just that was stuck to the side of my truck in that little piece in the middle um, where it was um, between the back window and the front window, right there is a little card holder. And not always, but I had one that was on there. And I would actually, when I'm going somewhere, I would take some business cards and stick it in there. And when somebody's walking around near your truck or you see their lettering on your truck, you know, they can grab a business card. Uh, sounds corny to some people, but to be honest with you, as many times I'd come out there and the business cards were gone, okay? Uh, and so somebody was picking them up uh, or somebody was grabbing one or one or two would be gone. I'd know how many I put in there. There's so many different things you can do um, to do that. A lot of times I used to go to, back when I was early on, go to Lowe's and Home Depot uh, or even Costco and I'd go down the lighting aisle and I would stick a card inside of some of the boxes, just slide it in the top of the Luminaire boxes. Now, you can frown upon that if you want. They never caught me yet, but... Um, the reality is the guy opened that light box uh, for that luminaire might be a DIYer and they're having trouble and they see your card and you might be the one they call. I, you know what? I wasn't beneath me to do that kind of stuff in order to try to get my business going. Okay. All right. So kind of one of those things that I, I believe that you do need to mark your truck up. Uh, but if you're working, you know, it's easy for somebody to say that they don't like to do that if they're working for somebody else. But ask the owner how they feel about it is totally different. Now, if you are the owner, maybe you don't care. Maybe you've got enough business. Maybe you don't need to put stuff on your truck. Maybe you don't need to market or advertise or do whatever. You know, that's that's up to you. Everybody's different, but I'm a I'm a believer in marketing and marketing myself any way I can, okay? Anyway, that really wasn't our topic last night, but I just want to throw that in there. All right, folks, that was pretty much what we talked about uh, last night in our, in our uh, live show kind of just giving you a recap of live show um other than that what we've got coming up um again january 11th show we've got the solid ground cords llc guys that are going to come on they're the ceo of that company is going to come on and it's going to talk about their cords and and uh, you can find out more about it now they're traveling all over the country selling these cords and uh, they have, you know, extension cords, the ground pin breaks like crazy, but they have a history of no broken ground pins. They have a patent on how they do their ground pin. So it's interesting that that's uh, OSHA. How many extension cords do you have that has the equipment ground broken off of it? And do you really expect the overcurrent protective device to operate properly if you're working on a job site, if you don't have the ground pin? How is the ground fault current going to get back to the source in order to trip that breaker? It's not. So, you know, that's a safety issue, but people take it for granted in their cords. You spend a little more for a cord, but a cord that's going to last is the kind of cord that you want to keep on your truck. So, again, we'll talk to them and get some insight into that in future shows. Uh, and so we're all excited about that. So I just wanted to give a shout out to everybody that, that listened to our show last night. I appreciate you. Sorry for the little mess up about the call in. Uh, we will get that all sorted out. Uh, and for the next show. So until next time, folks, stay safe and God bless. You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul 